did what's right for you because it's definitely easier to do what's easy instead of following your heart. But your parents are right. Like if you're not doing what you love, it's never going to feel good. It's not easy, but it's really hard and scary to be like, I will follow my intuition. And even though this makes no sense and I have no clue how I'm going to do it, I'm going to follow this path. Hey guys, welcome to the Power and Persistence podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Blois, business owner, mentor, self-care advocate, manifester, wife, and mama of two. This podcast is designed to make you feel seen and inspired. Join me for honest and raw conversations with successful women and purpose-driven entrepreneurs. We'll explore how they imperfectly but persistently juggle career, family, and relationships, all while honoring their authentic selves. Let's dive in. I am so excited for this episode today. I have Dr. Kristen Byerly with me, doctor of chiropractic. Kristen's journey is pretty incredible because um, as you'll get into, your parents are both dentists and they had a practice and you kind of had this really nice situation that you could have gone into and taken over, but you, you decided to go a different route. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that process and how you chose your profession? Awesome. Uh, thank you. I'm super excited to be here. It's really fun to be parts of these kinds of um, projects. I've been excited to to come on and, and do this with you. And so, um, yeah, my my chiropractic journey is very similar to what you might hear other chiropractors say where they got injured. I got introduced to a chiropractor and it changed their trajectory. And so, um, like you were saying, I was on track to be a dentist like my parents it was going to be very convenient to just walk in, be the new Dr. Byerly in the office and just kind of take things over. Um, and uh, after I had my experience going through a round of chiropractic care for my own body, uh, it really changed the way that I thought about our bodies, how we work. Um, and instead of going into dental school that summer after I graduated, I actually went through massage therapy school. And once I started working on people, I was hooked. It just, it felt like it was working for me. I felt like I had intuition for people's bodies, right? And to really look into what's happening for them. And so much of it is not always just physical. Sometimes there is a mental, emotional component. And in massage therapy, that becomes really, really evident because people tell you lots of private stuff when you're working on their bodies in a massage setting. And I was like, wow, there's so much need for physical care. Um, so once I was doing massage therapy um, in the interim of deciding where I was going to go, I started working for a physical therapist and also okay. for a chiropractor. So I really got to experience those settings of patient care. And what really drove me to chiropractic is that you're not beholden to a doctor's prescription and an insurance company telling you how to treat patients because they don't know. And Our they first. really don't really, I don't know. And your insurance company doesn't care about you. They care about not having to pay a lot of money for your health care, right? Yeah. And when they get in there and they start dictating what you can and can't do to help make a patient better or how fast that patient should be getting better, right. I was like... <laughs> get out of my office. <laughs> All right. Insurance, you're not treating here. Yeah. Uh, and that's what really took me to chiropractic because I'm not uh, tied up with those kinds of things. And other doctors of uh, physical therapy are also not, right? Everybody runs their practice differently. 
yeah. but that very much is the way of of a lot of that um that treatment world and it wasn't it's so true it's so true in our practice um it's a constant battle with insurance companies with the coverage even though the family's paying into it they're not going to cover they're going to only cover so many yeah it's yeah. so i completely understand that um okay so you just said a lot and i already have so many questions <laughs> but first how did your parents react when you were like by the way you have yeah. a practice that the whole community knows about and i'm not going to become a part of it um it was it was a little bit disappointing i think um i think my dad was sad because he felt like he saw skills in me that he was like you're going to be a good dentist right and um my mom was like are you sure are you really sure you know like you want to you want to pave your way because we've done the hard part here and we were kind of thinking you would ease in and we would ease out so it was definitely not easy starting a business let alone a practice like that is no easy feat so yeah you really really honored yourself yeah and I had this really great example because my parents made it seem like when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing it will be easy and they they made it look easy and it's yeah they together yeah yeah I love that they made it look easy and you're right it's not so the fact that you growing up thought it was easy is um inspiration to me because I feel like because I work with my husband that um I don't think our kids are having that same experience. I think they overhear too many conversations and then yeah. misinterpret them. So that inspires me to make it I will say that though. I, that was something in chiropractic school. I remember dating a guy in chiropractic school and it got into that spot of like, well, what will we do when we graduate? And I was like, you know, I watched my parents work together and I don't want to work with my spouse. Yeah. Um, now being in practice, I'm like, man, it would have been a whole different world if there were the two of us and we had this common goal and you can cover when I can't be there and things like this. So I think back and go, oh, should have really double thought that. However, um, you know, it's just, yeah. I will say though, we, my husband, Ben and I, we did have different professions and he's still in his own profession. He joined the company to help me out and we don't overlap in like, being able to help each other out like we do very different things for the company mm-hmm. so and he still does his own um profession as well so um for us yeah it it has been nice though to have that commonality um yeah so i think i think it can go both ways yeah okay, so you are you an only child i'm not i'm one of three i'm a oh. middle are they dennis <laughs> oh okay. Right, like profession to just be like, I'll do it. I'll do it rarely. Exactly. There were times, believe me, there were times I thought, I mean, can I just go back and go to dental hygiene school and like all of this? So what was I doing? Right, all this work and um, yeah, it's it, yeah. That my brother and sister are both very artistic, and uh, one of them is doing digital art and um. All sorts of like she can build anything out of anything, basically, in New York. And then my brother is very artistic and into plants and 
uh, horticulture and landscaping. So <laughs> no dentist in the family. Over. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. And that's such like a quality practice to like come in and, but I love it. I love that you guys did what's right for you because it's definitely easier to do what's easy instead of following your heart. But your parents are right. Like if you're not doing what you love, it's it's never going to feel good. It's not going to be easy, but it's really hard and scary to be like, I will follow my intuition. And even though this makes no sense and I have no clue how I'm going to do it, I'm going to follow this path. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll also say I have been to you for care because I have chronic neck and shoulder pain. And I went to you twice and I haven't been back. because I haven't had chronic pain. I doing the stretches and everything that you've told me to do. And no one's ever understood my body the way that you told me to help myself. And I'll, I had a day like recently where I was like, Ben, I need to go see Dr. Kristen now. But then I did my stretches and I was like, I'm actually okay. This is wild. Yeah. So, yeah. The way that you just, I don't know did what you did it's amazing and i've sent other people to you and i've heard great feedback from them so definitely have so you definitely chose right well thank you honestly like the things you did where you said i was sore but i went back to my stretches and exercises those are those are the things right and so my my main goal is to teach people those things so that when you have that moment you have some tools that will hopefully help correct if not they'll get you over the hump till we Mm -hmm. can get together and do some deeper alignment yeah because I think as we both know one of the biggest challenges as being business owners and moms is um finding that time to yeah. get appointment I know we tried to schedule an appointment for me and I was like I'm gonna have to call you because I see nothing I see yeah. no well, yeah um okay so let's go backwards a little bit so you are a married woman and a mama of two so yeah. When did that happen? When did you meet your husband? How did you meet your husband? Tell us that story. Okay. Um, so I graduated and had been anti-marrying a chiropractor. <laughs> uh, so I came out of school single and I was planning actually on trying to move out of the state. My goal was to practice oh. either in Oregon or Colorado. Because uh, I had more naturalistic, like more um, mentality. You know, I had been living in NorCal for so long and I was feeling very over California. Um, and all of the, you pay for California weather. Well, in Northern California, you don't get that weather. Or were you in Northern California? In San Jose, but um, okay. just like that whole Bay Area. So I expensive. It. It's lovely. It's so, but I was like, so expensive here though. Yes, right? And so like, that was where I thought, okay, if we're doing this paying for California weather thing, then I might as well be where the weather is nice, right? Yeah. Um, I came back here to finish after you graduate or just as depending on when you graduate in your program, you might have a little post-graduation situation where you're shadowing a doc or it happens pre-graduation. Okay. So when I came home to do my time shadowing a doc, I was here. I was with family where it's familiar. Um, it was spring and summer. And I thought, stay in California a little while, right? 
Um, so I was dating and um, met my husband through online dating. Awesome. Um, and it was one of the, oh, on match. <laughs> I, I don't know. I met my husband so young in college. So I have no, like, I can't attribute what that's like, but I know so many people that have met that way now. Yeah. It's strange. I mean, it's, it's a strange way to meet and date because I was like you, I dated people from school. I would yeah. meet somebody and you would click and that's where it went. And this was different. This was very much like, hi. I'm ready to get married and I'm interviewing potential husband. <laughs> my checklist. Yeah, right. You do kind of all of these. Like what else do you Yeah, right. So um so I think I think it was different. And and you know, like hindsight is always gonna be 2020, right? When you look back at things and your relationships and how did we get here? Exactly. And yeah. Um so yeah, how just, old were you guys when you met? Oh man, um, that would have been like 2012. So probably I was probably 32, 33. Okay. So you yeah. have a little bit more. I mean, not that we know who we are totally in our early 30s. Yeah. More than if we're 23. Exactly. See, I think for me, I felt like I hit an age where online dating started to make sense because now you're not just looking for attraction. You're yeah. looking for certain things. You're like, I've learned this about myself. I've yeah. learned this about my relationships. Yeah. And there are things that I know I'm like, let's let's cut through the fat and just yeah. get down to what we each know about ourselves and what we want to know about each other. And I love that. I love that you had the ability to approach a relationship like that. Everyone forgive me if I say this every damn episode because I just think it makes so much sense. I, I've heard same where you get to a certain age and you're like I I don't have expectations anymore right like we're all told like let go of expectations life's easier without expectations so I don't have expectations but I have required yes yeah I had deal breakers romantic relationships and whatever kind of relationship you're like this is who I am this is what I need this is my boundary and these are my requirements yeah absolutely absolutely so it was, yeah, it was fun. It was a little bit of um, a whirlwind. It felt like we met, we were dating. I decided not to join a practice down in Orange County and oh, to stay here. And staying here meant that I needed to build something because what I wanted didn't exist. And okay. the places that were open and available to me were great, but not where I really, really saw myself thriving. Yeah. Um, and so after I graduated, I had also gotten introduced to a fitness method and I thought, this is amazing. This is all the exercises I give my patients all the time. And why wouldn't I just encourage the public to do these exercises and hopefully not come to me with chronic pain and vice versa. My people with chronic pain can do these exercises and it doesn't have to be this three times a week two times a week, one time a week protocol. It can be daily stretches, daily exercises, regular care, and staying on top of things before they go south. Yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make this fitness studio. And while I'm growing my practice and my schedule is really 
parse, I can treat my patients in between teaching classes and during the rest of the daytime hours that are not peak fitness class times. And when I finally got busy enough, then I had to start to train trainers and get other people teaching those classes and a bigger group of people helping me do the rest of the stuff around the office so that I could be more available as my chiropractic schedule slashed out. Um, so, so I tell everybody what that fitness is. Um, so we do LaGree Fitness and it's a lot of fun. It's extremely challenging. Um, the first time I found it, I thought I was doing a Pilates class and I took my mom with me. I was in class going, oh my gosh, this is amazing. What is this? And she was in class going, what have you brought me to? <laughs> Why am I here? How did so, you find it? Because now they have three studios. Yeah, it was a studio here in Thousand Oaks. And oh. I just was so impressed. I was talking to the owners. I wanted to know what, you know, how I could become certified to do. What does that entail? Um, and they really took me under their wing. They sponsored me to become a trainer. And I was one of their first trainers because they were also kind of new into business. So I was one of the first trainers that they started relinquishing some of their schedule to. And eventually they ended up closing and moving to Nevada and starting a new studio in Henderson. And as they left, they were like, you really need to fill this void. And that was sort of the kickoff to I could start a Legree studio here and make that part of my practice. That's awesome. I know. I, I remember saying to you, like, I had interest in it and you were like, you're not, you're not ready. Right. I was like, give this a minute. Let's let your neck, because you were telling me that exercise was lighting you up. And I was like, mm, it does. yeah, let's not leave a bad taste in your mouth for, yeah. for that because it's going, it's going to be challenging, right? Like yeah. it's, it's going to get you lit up, but we want to do it when you're not so just like ready to go to a hundred with, with discomfort. But yeah, it's a, it's, and that's, that's something I usually say. I usually tell people that you don't need a beginner class. We're going to be able to modify things for you right. mid class. And it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to one of our trainers, you're, you're going to be able to do what you can within your range of motion and all of this. Yeah. Um, and so that was, um, that, and that was a rare circumstance in which I was like, let's give this a minute. <laughs> Just a minute. Um, but yeah, so that hurts. I know. Right. So it really, it's really great for anyone, um, listening to your local, you should check it because it has this very safe, um, energy to it as well as in you're in a safe environment to ask questions make mistakes I know a lot of times going to bigger studios is really intimidating yeah um because there's actually a degree closer to me but I like haven't even peeked in because I'm like I don't like yeah yeah it's different too and you know the crowd like the the people that come to your place also make a big difference and our community is so supportive and friendly and encouraging like I've I've heard somebody that comes to class all the time encourage a neighbor and say you're doing an awesome job oh that's totally new right or they'll have a conversation after class and they'll talk about I remember my first class and um and so like that to me is awesome at some point I overheard a few clients and they were all going to go over to the Salt Cave and Westlake together and I was like oh 
Yeah. Things are making friends here. This is I, awesome. I love that because the world needs more of that. And you yeah. just don't get a lot of that when you go to these bigger studios. Everyone more like keeps to themselves and you don't know what people are thinking. And yeah, great. And that's great. Okay. So back to meeting your friends. Kind of a whirlwind. So how quickly did you guys get married? So we were dating for probably two years. We got married almost exactly a year after my office opened. So we opened our doors in April. Like our official opening was in April of 2015. Okay. We got married in April of 2016. And then we had our first daughter in May of 2017. And our second daughter just behind that in March of 2019. So they're 22 months apart. Um, and so we just really hit the ground running. But yeah. I'm an older mom, too. And so that was also just like a really interesting difference. Um, because I came into my first pregnancy at 34. I was due on my 35th birthday. Oh, really? Um, and my course of care and the way they treated me in the obstetrics department was a 180 from the way they treated me just one year later when I was 37. And all of the geriatric pregnancy and all of the terminology that they tacked onto it was just really interesting. And I thought, I'm the same person. I am just as healthy as I was my first pregnancy. I am just as active. I am just as everything as I was through my first pregnancy. Why are you treating me so differently. And I don't think that in a 16 month difference, my body was like, oh, I can't do this. I'm going to need all this extra intervention. Right. And it was just wild. Do you think now that people are having babies later, because now having babies in your mid thirties is super common. I'm starting at 40, starting their family. I had my first in my late twenties, but looking back, like for my kids, I'm like, dude, don't do it in your 20s. Like, wait, wait, right. and go live your life and then have them when you're a little bit more sure of who you are. Um, do you think they'll ever like push that term? I don't know. I well, I was just talking to somebody yesterday. I feel like somehow are we backsliding in obstetrics? I mean, I'm I'm hearing about women who are told to stop mid pushing to wait till the doctor gets in the room. And you're just like stop pushing? Are you kidding me? For the doctor, he doesn't really need to be here. Someone just needs to catch this kid for now, right? Isn't it true that women lay on their back for birth for the doctor? Worst position ever. Yes. But yet it's for the the doctor. For ease of the doctor. Absolutely. Honestly, like if, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. And that that was the other big difference when I was not a geriatric pregnant person. I went to work with the midwives, right? And we got to do um, a unmedicated delivery. There was no telling me to stop for the doctor. At some point, the doctor came in and was like, good job, everybody. Go team, right? And and that was it, right? The second time around was completely different. Lots of intervention, um, lots of ultrasounds, lots of extra scans and things like this that they tell you are not irritating the baby. And I'm telling you, she would wiggle and kick and move. And they would say, oh, she seems agitated. I was like, right. 
And you can't tell that she doesn't seem that way when you take this monitor off, right? But I promise you, she starts doing this when you put that monitor on. And oh, so it, that is the thing that I was just you like, you're not listening. doctor involved for the second one? Yes. Well, the second one ended up in a C-section. So at that point, we're, ha- yep. we're having the docs involved. But um, the uh, the thing that I thought was really interesting was just how they, it's not like they were looking at health factors for me and health factors for her and saying, we're at higher risk and we need to do this extra stuff. It was literally that now I was in a different age bracket. The protocol was going to be different. Yeah. It had nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you are. And nothing to do with what I wanted. And if I said, I don't think we need this scan. Oh, yes, you're having this scan. Really? Are we really? Because I've, you know, like, I get it. There are anatomy scans. There are important scans. But like, some of it felt really unnecessary. And when I said, is this necessary? It was sort of like, why would you even ask that question? Like, because I don't think I need all this intervention. But um, but yeah, but I am still, even in last week, I heard about a baby being delivered by forceps. What are we doing? That was something that I thought we really understood. Like, no, we don't use this anymore. And to to hear about that and was it in a subsequent trauma. Was it in a oh. hospital? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a hospital setting. And so, you know, so things like that just really make me wonder where we're headed with with obstetrics and the way that we're dealing with labor and delivery. I'm hearing a lot about C-sections. It's so oh, much common. I will tell you my birthing stories separately because no one needs to hear the details of how awful our, my first experience was. And because of it, my second was a scheduled C-section. Right. Uh, I'll share that with you one day. It, yeah, it's it's hard. And you know what? We need to talk about that stuff more. I think that a lot of women are struggling because you we feel everyone feels like it. no one wants to hear all those details, right? Unless someone has asked you for those details, no one wants to hear those details. But there's so much stuff that we're not talking about, whether it's just birth experience, obstetric experience, pregnancy loss, um, pregnancy struggles, right? And it's this quiet, taboo subject that we experience alone. And I feel like that's part of where the system gets broken down. We've moved out of pregnancy and women's bodies being part of this realm that women really understood and that we were fighting for more understanding and more appreciation. We've moved midwives out of the birthing process and we've lost all the knowledge that they've and had. Generations. Them out. You have to decide yeah. to go that route. Um, I agree with you a lot. And I know um, a lot of what has pulled on your heartstrings and motivated you and become your passion is this area of care. I think um, how you said how no one's really talking about like the struggle with getting pregnant or pregnancy loss. I always thought you know when I was pregnant people are like don't tell anyone until you're three months and I'm like why if I lose a baby which I did in between my two I lost um a baby can't fucking want people to know I'm gonna be comfort like I don't want to go through this alone I'm not embarrassed I'm not ashamed right right so I was so shocked because I knew I was pregnant I was like I don't understand this don't tell me yeah it's it's weird, right? And so like it's sad. It's it's definitely sad. Um, 
And um, I, I won't share the story on the podcast because I don't, I don't know. But when Bernadine comes up in like face to face, I have told that story to so many people. I try not to tell it to pregnant women because I want them to go in with a very positive mindset. Yeah. Uh, but it's wild because I really struggled to give birth. Like, I think, you know, if medicine was where it was today, I would for sure die with childbirth because my body doesn't go. I don't get contraction. My water breaks and then nothing. Mm. So the babies get stuck. And then they found out my pelvic bones are too narrow to squeeze a baby through. Yeah. Yeah. My sister actually had a baby two days ago. And just like her first, they just wakes for contractions. A few hours later, there's her baby. She pushes for half hour. She has this beautiful, perfect baby. And I was like, that's so wild. That yeah. she's like made for your birthing. And I, it's, I can't, I can't. Yeah, it's, I, you know, it's interesting. And I, and I absolutely think about that. And I think about a few friends of mine that I was like, we, we would have died in childbirth. Like if yeah. they were not having modern medicine. And so I, so, you know, it's one of those things that I have so much respect for. And yeah. when we need it, we need it. But then there are definitely times that I think sometimes we're overzealous and doctors get a little bit over um, doomsdayish because they see the worst. They see the worst of it and they see the worst case scenario and wow. they want to yeah. do their best to make sure that doesn't happen for you. Yeah. So I think everybody ears on the side of caution and especially during pregnancy, we're always extra cautious. Yeah. And, and I think that's appropriate, but there are definitely times that I look at what we're doing and how we're treating mothers and women feeling not listened to during labor and delivery and leading up to things. Like when a mom looks at you and says, I feel like something's wrong. Something is wrong. It's, you know what I mean? Her mom says that while she's pregnant or once the child's here, whatever. Yeah. She is not wrong. She is yeah. not wrong. Absolutely. I've I never had an unthinkable feeling about my children and been off. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. But yeah. the other thing I did after my second pregnancy, though, that I think, oh, this is what I'm say. Something that I think is definitely not talked about enough is postpartum depression. And anxiety. Oh. Because yes. I had a horrible horrible experience after my first I mean it was really really intense yeah um, with my second daughter or my second child was my daughter I was going to this very like naturopathic massage therapist in Ventura you probably know her um and she encapsulates placentas yeah so I had my placenta encap- encapsulated and um it was the best thing I've ever done. I was like, listen, a mammal has a baby and instinctually eats its placenta. Like, you can't convince me that this human just shouldn't. Yeah. So she made, I, I had pills. They were fine. It was just like swallowing a pill. I was like rationing them at the end because I didn't want them to be there. And um, I, I didn't have postpartum depression that time. Luckily, breastfeeding was such a better experience for me that time. The milk, like everything was better. And my yeah. doctor, when I went in, um, you know, I post checks and I said it, you know, you know, that's and I looked at him and I said, I don't give a fuck what it is. Yeah. I feel so much better time around. Give it to yeah. me. Like if I ever had more, I would do it without a shadow of a doubt. Be my first right. thing. Who's showing up at the hospital with the cooler? 
Like, yeah. I was laughing because I was in the delivery room the first time around. The midwives were like, yeah, bring a cooler. No big deal. And they didn't think it was strange at all. Right. The second time around, when I was dealing with the surgeon, I said, am I going to be able to keep the placenta? And he started to look on the floor and he goes, oh, I was looking for your Birkenstocks, you hippie. And I was like, oh, OK, sure. And I thought it was the funniest comment. And he goes, you know, you're the second mom this week that asked me to save a placenta. Is this a thing? Like he hadn't heard of it. It's and I thought, wow, way to be a weird bedside manner and kind of judge about something that is totally not a off the cuff thing, right? Like people do. Look at um, nature. Absolutely. All you have to do to convince me that we should be doing it. Like an animal instinctively eats it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, we did the same. We had it encapsulated. It's not gross. It's little tablets. following a vitamin. It doesn't taste like any, it's nothing. I literally, like, they were my favorite little bill. I keep them in my fridge and they would make me feel so comforted. And they, they really help. I think it really helps. I think it's a huge source of nutrients, right? Just off the bat. Like, imagine what it is. It also has a huge blood supply. So there's lots of iron in there. And moms are always being told they're anemic especially after delivery. And then there are also natural painkillers in there. And so that was one of the other things that I was like, wow, no joke. You're right. All like, just, it's the same reason. Like, why would you eat a liver, right? For those same reasons. So it's got really rich blood supply. Lots it tastes so good. Right? And so, um, so, right? And so, and that's it. We eat other organ meat. Why is everybody so weirded up about it? Like, yeah. I get that it's a transient organ whatever um but we eat other organ meats so yeah anybody you guys if you're gonna have a baby just do it it's not expected absolutely and whether you think it's like just do it It, it's not gonna hurt you and i promise it's gonna help you yeah right at the end of the day and that's what i told my husband he was like what are we doing here yes (laughs) and i was like not your body not your baby. Well, and you're welcome because I'm helping myself, which in turn is helping you. So if you're welcome. Yes. See, when you were talking about postpartum, that that at first was why I knew that I was concerned about having depression. And the first time around, I didn't have it. And the second time around, I had postpartum with a vengeance. And honestly, looking back, I, it almost cost us our relationship because I couldn't, control myself. And I felt angry and frustrated Mm -hmm. with how upset I was. Mm -hmm. And I had no tolerance for when the baby was crying. And I was like, these are, these are the moms that lose it. And no one is looking at me and saying like, how can you be supported right now? It was kick up your pants, woman. You got a baby you need to nurse and take care of. Let's go. And I was like, can I have a second? I am not myself and I don't know what's happening. Yeah, And it's a scary feeling to like, I, I feel like I'm completely out of control of my body and my mind. I felt in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And you have thoughts and you're just like, are these thoughts? Is this okay? And they were not normal thoughts. I never acted on anything, but they were not normal thoughts. Right. My dad's pretty fucked up, but he joked he was on suicide watch. I never thought of killing myself, but I definitely was not in my right mind. Yeah. And um, I remember so much depression, but at 4 p.m., like clockwork, 
the most intense anxiety yeah. would wave over me. And I think it was like that impending, I'm not going to sleep again. Yeah. And it was so miserable. We lived in Northern California at the time, and I thought we would live there forever. Our best friends were up there. We both loved our jobs. I mean, we were set. And by the time the baby was three months old, we were in Southern California. I was like, I need support system I need my mom and Ben resented me for years because he loved his job and I wasn't like can we have a conversation about this like what do you think I was like Ben, I can't do this like I'm literally drowning like I have to move back to Southern California and within weeks we were back in Southern California because it was awful and I was really struggling with breastfeeding too and the baby they told me had colic which now I know like uh uh-uh like we shouldn't be giving him Zantac. Like, there's so many other ways to do this, but I didn't know any of that now. So he's on Zantac. I can't get him to stop crying. We're both miserable. And their solution for the breastfeeding was, Jesse, you need to stop so you can take an SSRI. So I did. I stopped breastfeeding at two months and got on the drug for me. And I'm not saying, like, I've been on SSRIs my whole life, so I'm not knocking SSRIs. But... um. It was just, it was such the go-to, like, stop breastfeeding, drug yourself. Um, th- and knowing what I know now through myofunctional therapy and working with chiropractors and working cranial sacral therapists and working, uh, there's so many options out there to help you in your being. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, until you're in it and until you're in the thick of it. Yeah. And... You also have to have the energy to look for those people. Like at some point when you're in the middle of that, it's really hard to start even figuring out what, so what someone might needs to tell you, like, yeah, do this, try this. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to my mom to any, like, you're just like, somebody help me help. Yes. Anything. Just pick a job, pick a job and take it off of my to-do list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hear help that for me. sure. And I tell people to support groups for like, I feel like you could have like the postpartum mom, the mom struggling to get pregnant, the mom, the pregnant mom, the mom who who lost a pregnancy. Like, I feel like you should just start all these like support groups. You have them. That's the help. Right. And so what's nice is that the organization that I got my chiropractic specialty in pregnancy and pediatric care is called the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, ICPA. Um, They have a whole website. They have all sorts of resources. They have all sorts of literature, research for parents who are like, uh, chiropractic for babies sounds no. Um, And so they have a lot of the research to educate parents about what we're adjusting and why and the research behind it, the safety studies that have been done. Um, But they have groups called Pathways Groups. And my hope is to eventually be able to have that community where we've created a pathways group and it's all of that. And they help you create a plan for the year of how you're not only going to create support groups for moms, for people struggling to get pregnant, for dads, um, for families of all sorts. And so that's another group that I really feel like gets a little overlooked where I, you know, at some point dad is like, what is my role here exactly? And if my wife is feeling like she's unraveling and not herself, how how am I supposed to help? 
right? And and there's really not a lot of help and support for no. our men to step in and do that stuff at home. There's a lot of push for them to be out, to be earning, right? And all of this. And at some point, so soon. Yeah, at some point there needs to be a family unit and someone at home helping. Like, so I remember telling my husband after our first pregnancy, he had six weeks that he was off. And I was like, yay, this is great. And we enjoyed it. The second pregnancy, I was like, you are going to have to ask them for more time. Because if six weeks was what it took for me to recover from a completely just textbook, easy peasy delivery, then I'm going to need a lot more time to recover from a C-section. And and it was a lot. It was so much for, for me, so much recovery. I was irritated to have had surgery. I was um, felt like I failed, like somehow my body was incapable of doing this. I went through that whole thought process of like, I would have died had we done this in the 40s or the 30s, right? Like I would have been a mom casualty and um, so there was just a lot of extra recovery that went on with that. And, uh, that I think was also a moment where I was like, we have no idea the role that dads are playing at home and how important it really, really is to be supportive of what your wife is going through, supportive of the breastfeeding, supportive of the pumping, supportive of the fact that you're the default parent. It doesn't matter what is how great their relationship is with their dad when they are crying and nippling and injured and sick they call for mom and that's a whole different never level of stress that our husbands help balance out right that never that doesn't change um i i've heard you know women that they wake up in the middle of the night they do the breastfeeding they take care of the baby they tell their husband you sleep you have to work in the morning are like um Hell no! You get to go to work in the, tomorrow. You get I'm to leave. going here all night. I'm back to bed. Here's the baby. Please change the baby and put the baby back to sleep because I just finished breastfeeding. So that's probably why Ben was like two and through because yeah, yeah. equally as hard on us sleep wise. But yeah, no, I never was like I'm not working in the morning. I was like going to work is the easier option tomorrow. Absolutely. There have definitely been times when I've been like, I get to go to the office. <laughs> I get to go to work. Yeah. I get to talk to grown-ups. I, I, I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms. Um, would I like more time at home with my kids? Absolutely. Could I do it full-time? Hell no. I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. I need that adult interaction and my brain to be thinking about something other than like playing with Paw Patrols on the floor, which is so special. And I love that women can do that. But like my brain starts cycling to like places where it shouldn't go. And I need to keep it like active at work. Yeah. I just knew that about myself where my sister's a stay-at-home mom and she's the most beautiful stay-at-home mom and nothing could make her happier. And I think that's wonderful. We're just different brains, right? Different wearing. And that's yeah. okay, right? Yeah, and for sure. there are going to be people that decide that that's it for them. And I've even started to see more stay-at-home debts, right? Um, had, and so there is a bit of that reversal. And so there are so many more women out there working who are also just trying to find that balance. And there's not oh. a lot of social support for it because you're going to meet people yeah. who go, oh, you're a stay-at-home mom, must be nice. You're also going to meet people who are like, oh, 
you're working. I mean, who's with your kids and children? Yeah. Who's raising your children, right? And you're the fifth person and next year we're going to have to find someone else. Yeah, right. We had to interview babysitters. It took a moment there, right? (laughs) Because they sucked and my kid was with them for three months. I mean, what what are you going to do? Yeah, it's crazy. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, But that's why I think more women talking about the journey of business growth or ownership or both and motherhood. And then there's this whole other piece that no one talks about and that's our self, right? Like our self-care. And I really want to dive into that with you because I know you have really spent time figuring this out for yourself. So will you kind of talk to us about, because a lot of people, like that's the first thing that they don't even incorporate into. Oh, it's it's the first expendable thing, right? Um, hundred percent. The second to me, I think would probably be like your relationship with your spouse is the next one to like get pushed to the side. And these are like, Ben and I were talking about it yesterday. These are, this is the foundation. And yeah. everything else is going to crumble. But that foundational piece really is the first to get pushed to the side. For yeah. me, like I'm working I'll have to wake up every day to work, you know, remember to work on it. But what made you realize you needed this self-care? And then why, what is your self-care? Yeah, Um, there's a lot, right? Um, And so the best example that I give, especially to my moms about self-care is that during my first pregnancy, I was all about it. I was like, hey, if I'm exhausted, I'm going to take a nap. And if I am hungry and craving that thing, I'm going to go and get that thing. And I'm going to eat what I want, when I want. Um, I was regular getting, regularly getting acupuncture from a colleague of mine who's fantastic, specializes in pregnancy and prenatal care, is a mom herself. So uh, she was treating me at least once a month sometimes twice a month. Uh, I was getting massaged regularly for just all the soreness and achiness that goes into the changes that are happening for your body. Um, and I was doing all that because I had this understanding that my job is physical and I'm working out. And if I'm not working out, I'm working on people. And both of those are just physically demanding. And so I was really trying to be on top of it. I was really watching um, for my goal was to eat around the world. I wanted to expose my little fetus <laughs> to all the spices of the world. And so it was a goal to try all sorts of different foods while I was pregnant. Um, and so all of that, get out, go to the movies and um, spend time with my husband, right? If I came home from work and I was tired, I didn't force myself to stand and cook something in the kitchen we would order something, right? And uh, so learning to tune in and to really go like, what do I need right now? What do I need today? What am I craving today? Oh, that's interesting. I want egg. Really I wonder why I want eggs, right? Um, so I totally leaned into those sensations, feeling like I needed that stuff, getting adjusted. Um, I got adjusted weekly while I was pregnant. My second pregnancy, coming at it with also a little toddler at home, yeah. we had don't exist anymore. Yeah. I couldn't sleep when I wanted to sleep. I couldn't even sleep when she was sleeping because those were the times that I also had to clean and set up for the next thing and be prepared for tomorrow or go back to work or pump 
um, or whatever else you're doing. This is one thing if I could impart on husband. When you are breastfeeding and pumping, you feel like you never get to leave your robe. Like every three hours, it's either a kid or a pump. That's a lot. And that's, it's so, it's so much. I remember commuting to a seminar, pumping while I was driving and had just be like, hopefully no good truckers drive by and can see this whole set or I have going on here. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, am I, is this seriously how I have to make all this work? No. I remember when I figured out, like when you clock, when you're going to feed your baby next, it's not from the end of the feed. It's from what you started. That's like, are you? Are you kidding me? This kid just fell asleep. I'm going to be sitting here for 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And so like all of that, timing that. And then there were there were definitely times where I was like, honey, I'm going to need to go home and pump. We didn't make it in time. Ruined a shirt. There we are. For sure. What happens? Full in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting it, those like pads, like you just don't feel yourselves at all. Yeah. Like it's just for me at least, it was such an unattractive feeling, just time in my life. It wasn't, I was definitely not one of those women that like has a baby and I'm glowing and I getting dressed and everyone's cute and matching. I was I like took a year to feel yeah. for each time. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was not a happy pregnant person. I was I was excited the first time around. The second time around, I kept telling myself, "Okay, this well, is about to be uncomfortable." When you were pregnant, so did I. Mine are twenty four months apart exactly. Yeah, there's no like taking care of you and taking that nap. Like you have a little toddler, yep. almost toddler, that needs you around the clock. So yep. it's already shifted. All my energy was not on what I was eating. It was on making baby food for her because we were trying to be supernatural at home right and um so a lot of just like yeah I wasn't eating what I wanted I wasn't eating when I wanted there were definitely times where I was like that's it I'm so hungry I have to stop I I now I need to take a break everybody needs to go away and be quiet um there was not a lot of self-care going on uh at that point the chiropractor the acupuncturist that I was working with had moved out or was, oh, she was pregnant. That's what it was. We were pregnant at the same time. And so I felt bad asking her for care when I needed it because I knew she was also tired and didn't necessarily want to spend that extra hour treating one more person. Um, And I was not getting massaged because I was tired and I just wanted to go home. My schedule didn't match the therapist's schedule. I wasn't willing to cancel patients to make room on my schedule to have that care. And so that pregnancy, as I've kind of touched on, did not go well. It was not great. And that kid came out so wound up from my stresses, right? Like part of me always has to go back and go, she's a little bit wound. She's a little bit easier to irritate. Now, is that her personality or is that because she spent nine months being stressed to the max in my body, feeling stressed to the max, right? Yeah. And so all, you know, it again, hindsight, you know, I'm always going to wonder, had I taken that time, had I done more for myself, had I listened to and there's that mom guilt, there's mom guilt. Yes. Would my kid be less wound up? Would she have a better experience if I had given myself a better experience? I took my daughter to Tanya, who, you know, is a craniosacral therapist. 
yes. because she was having really intense tantrums. And I was like, she was a C-section. Her nervous system never got that input. Please work on her nervous system for me. So she did three sessions on Sydney and she was like, she's okay. And I was like, only three? Like, are you sure? She goes, Jesse, we need to calm your nervous system and then she'll be fine. Yeah. And you know what? She was right. Sydney yeah. doesn't have tantrums like that anymore. But it was so my energy, right? And I'm just like, like, there's so much pressure as the mom. Yes. Yeah. And it does. And I think, um, I think we're really hard on ourselves, right? We're, we're so like, hard on ourselves. And then I think being a business owner, you're also really hard on yourself because yeah. you want to make sure you have the clientele. You want to make sure your staff is happy. But then in order to make them happy, sometimes you're neglecting the business. And in order to make sure the business is thriving, sometimes you have to say no. And then you have your children at home and you need attention for your spouse. And oh, yeah, that self care. And it's just, Sometimes I joke that I just need, I want to get in my car and drive for three days. I'll see you. Yeah. Yeah. I last because my husband, it doesn't really care to go. I like to go up to the mountains. That's where I like to go blow off steam. And my husband doesn't necessarily care for the road trip. And he's like, it's just so boring. And I'm like, dude, it is five hours that my brain is just kind of like watching the road. I'm just making sure we don't hit anything. And it's nice. And even when the kids are in the back, even if they're listening to something or arguing or whatever they are doing in the backseat, there's that moment where I just get to be like, hmm. It's so hard to get to that moment. I don't remember who I was talking to the other day, but we were talking about how our favorite time, honestly, I think my most peaceful time in the past seven years is when I had surgery. Oh, right. I, you know, I was on pain medicine. I was in bed. I literally could not deal with work. I couldn't help my children. Ben was taking care of me. I discovered Hallmark movies and binged them. They're way better if you're medicated. And I joked around to Ben, but like, I was kind of serious. I was like, I want surgery once a year. It was the only time my brain stopped and I was just, huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's and that's a sad thought, right? When you think about it, you're like, it should not have to come to this. <laughs> but if how do we get here? How do we get here? Yeah, and honestly, though, like some, so in addition to self care, right? Just um, being able to have the time to talk to your spouse or a friend about that. I yeah. it took me my kids were three before I finally had one of my friends say can we please just go have a girl's night? And honestly, I want to go have drinks with you like we used to do. And I yeah. was like, oh, but we just, I don't, oh, time. Yeah, it sounds so hard. And then you're like, but they're going to get up early and I don't really want to get dressed. And all right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to get all dressed up and all of this. And exactly. And that has become a thing that she and I get together at least once every other month. If we could do it, way we would. But having that opportunity when we had coffee, that was so nice. And we were talking business. It was just nice to talk to a grown-up eating something that I didn't have to say, please eat your food. (laughs) Right? And you're like out in the middle of the day. No one's exhausted yet. We went to a pretty location. Yeah. We can really do that again soon. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I know. It's. It's hard. It's a wild experience, but I mean, I also wouldn't change it. I love 
having the flexibility as a business owner, but with that flexibility comes so much responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then I think for me, my changing point was finding like your self-care cannot waver. Your self-care, whatever that needs to be for you. And for me, it's like, just like you there, it's a multiple of things. Um, it has to be consistent or I, I'm just not good for anyone. Yeah. I feel good. Absolutely. And emotionally. I love that. So what do you think if you were going to give advice to anybody in your shoes, becoming a mother, growing a business from what you've experienced, what are three things that you would um, share with others as what's been really helpful for you? Um, the first thing I learned to do in business that I think made a big impact was outsource the tasks that eat your soul, right? If coming into the office in the morning and sweeping out the entryway is the thing that you're just like, I hate doing this every day. Yeah. Buy a Roomba, (laughs) right? Um, and so those were the things that little by little, I was able to outsource the tasks and the things that I was like, this doing this each day is the worst. It's the worst thing. It's the last thing I want to do. It's the first thing I'll put off. Um, So learning how to outsource those things and to give up that control. When I started asking someone else to do that for me, I had to also accept that they're not going to do it the way I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. As long as they do it to a standard that we have agreed on, I'm golden. It doesn't have to be step by step the way I would get it done. And so that kind of giving up that control, I feel like all of that falls into that category of being able to trust other people to handle tasks and to to do it in a way that it's going to get it done and you're not going to have to deal with it, right? Like micromanaging is something I'm not excited to do. I'll do it if I feel like I can't trust whoever is helping me. And now we're going to have a different issue, right? Um, But I wanted to be surrounded by people who I felt like were capable and who understood the goal and are they're working towards the goal, even if it's not how I would work towards it. Um, so that was number one, just like outsourcing and giving up some of that control. Um, and I guess part of that also goes like asking for help. It's okay yeah. to ask for help. Um, and that was something for me I really struggled with at home because I kind of thought, I'm making a business. This business is going to help our family pay the bills. And then I looked at my husband and I was like, why don't you care about my business? And he was like, because it's yours. And you, we didn't, we didn't agree that I was going to be part of this. You built it. We could talk for an hour about it. Right? And so I had to really learn not to punish him for not being on board with my mission, but also learn how to be nice to ask for help in a nice way instead of saying, you never helped me do this. I'm telling you how stressed out about us I am. And you're not saying, well, I can help you with that. It's not his job. And um, it was just something that we, if he never said, I will help you with that. And so that expectation, but then also learning to say, I need help with this aspect. Can you help me with that? Do you know someone who can help me with that if it's not you, right? And so 
Um, so that was a big thing that I think improved my relationship, but also made me feel more competent in sure. some of the stuff I had to handle at work that I was just like, ah, like you were and saying, technology is not my thing. You feel like you are supported. Right. And, right? Yes. and, and just know there is a support there for you. You're exactly. not alone. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, there were other people in my sphere who were complimenting me, who were saying like, go get them, champ. You're working so hard. You're doing such a great job and all of this. And, and listen to those people because it was easy to say, why does my friend say that to me and not my husband? And to be upset that he's not the one being the champion in the moment. But at the end of the day, he is back there at home handling the kids while I am here at work right now. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so really appreciating that that aspect. I think what you just said, that was really important because like I'll get a lot of praise from certain people, but it holds not the same weight from like, I want to hear it from my husband or I want to hear it from my dad or I want to hear it like I need to like really it's so easy to sit in someone's criticism of you. Yeah. And it's so easy for me at least to let the praise come and go. And I'm like, oh yeah, they did say that, huh? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and that was something I think that that's something I work on with my girls. Like, you know, when someone compliments you, you say, thank you. You don't deflect that. You don't push them off like it didn't. You say, thank you. Right. Yeah. Like, Take that compliment and look at it and be like, I didn't really believe that compliment. Why didn't I believe that about myself rather than be like, oh, I like your shoes too. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing when we yes. deflect a compliment. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so, um, so yeah, outsourcing, uh, finding people that really are your champions and, and trusting them to take over some tasks. And then, um, I don't know. Like, I think that there were a lot of times that people thought they were being helpful and trying to give me advice. Like, I, I literally had somebody say to me, this is not the time to start a business. This is time for you to have babies and you're not going to be able to do both. And I was like, I hear that. I hear that. And I hear that it's going to be a challenge. But to tell me that that's not my reality, right? That is that is your opinion on how people's lives and timelines should play out. Um, but I really like when I heard that in my gut, I was like, hmm, doesn't resonate with me. Right. And you got to listen to the gut. You've got to hear your gut. Right. And so it's that gut check. And, and there were times where my gut was going crazy and I had to discern what was my gut saying bad choice. And what was my gut saying? big choice <laughs> right right sure. it feels very similar you don't how to make a decision just close your eyes and feel what you feel and there you go yeah 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 for sure i love it and self-care right? and self-care and, and so self much self-care see i was fortunate because a lot of the self-care is literally built into my practice i want to exercise i step into the next room and i take a class no maybe i right? did it all wrong right <laughs> But but to be to be in a place where it's so accessible to me felt even more like I am not myself if I'm not utilizing this stuff because yeah. then I'm clearly not practicing what I preach, right? Yeah. But there were times that I did see a gap on my schedule and I did see a message from a patient 
saying, can I come in at that time? And I would say, I'm so sorry, I'm unavailable. Because I knew for you, I that was so hard to do, do, right? Not like hard to do to not want to like, bring everybody in when I, oh God, I remember being so unavailable to everybody. Weekends, sure. Saturday night, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saturday, this 30, I'll be there. Like I went through years of. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was something too. I remember it was, it was at first where you're just like, I can't turn any of this business down. I, and it's, and well, it's, 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 it's really going to happen at the beginning though. Yeah. Right? Right. Here. And then you're like conditioning yourself. Yeah. And your patients, you're conditioning your clients that they can call you on a Sunday and you're going to be like, Oh, sure. Let me get out of my robe and come on in for your, I'm just sitting here with my girls in my lap, but I'll throw them to the side. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah we, but I think, you know, we can say like, it's really nice to have the flexibility as a business owner, but we also did all that to get to the point where we could be flexible. I thought I would have flexibility in like a year or two. I think it took like seven to eight years yes. to be like, Oh, I'll pick my kids up from school one day of the week. I yes. thought I would do it in like two to three years. I would be available in the afternoons. No. Yeah. I just started doing that this year and I've had the business for like seven or so years. And yeah, then we're the same. It's just one. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so, totally, we're about the same. We, it took yeah. us three years to start feeling like, okay, we've got a stride. It doesn't feel like at any moment we're going to have to close. Um, but then also the pandemic hit. So the first, say, yeah, we felt like that and then COVID hit and then we kind of cycled back to the beginning. Exactly. And so it, we, is that we had no clue how to face. Yeah. Yeah. And there were, and there really was no, there was not going to be a solution, right? It was, it was literally just like, hang on. You just have to, you just have to hang on. We're going to make it. But there were days I had a letter composed on my desktop of just, we are so sorry. We did everything we could and we don't want to go out with all of you guys having money invested in stuff that we can't honor. We're going to take this last opportunity to refund whatever we can of your memberships and we've got to close. That letter was literally on my desktop, maybe a moment from being sent out. And it was like, I can't send this right now. I need one more week. Just give me one more week to make sure we're not going to fully feel like we're folding. But yeah, seven years, I think three years was when I started to really say, no, these are my office hours, but I still made myself very available um, and had those mornings, had those afternoons and would go home in the middle of my day and then come back in the evening for more appointments. This Mm -hmm. is we're opening starting into our like eighth year. And finally, this is where I am like, no, I'm not in on Saturday. You can see me on Friday or Monday. Or we can find another time that works. And and yes, I'm not in until nine because I have to drop my kids off at school and I will be out at this time because I have to pick up from school. Yeah. And start. Yeah. I I my clinic opens at 730 and my staff doesn't see me for about three hours because I am a mom. I do the morning routine and I get in my self-care because they don't want me at that clinic if I'm not finding time for because there's no time for me after the day right because then the kids are home and the house is this and there's so much homework these days yeah so but to not go into that time seven years it's good though 
And I'm, I'm still, I'm still replying. Let's not lie. Like I'm still replying to things by 630 in the morning. They have complete access to me, but yeah. Um, boundaries, healthy boundaries are so Big good. time boundaries. I'm filling your value. Like your worth of all the services. Yes. I have to wrap it up because we have talked so much and I feel like we could keep talking. I could talk to you forever. This has been so informative, so enlightening and so wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. We'll carry on. We'll get coffee. We'll yeah. take some self-care. Some bad yeah. time. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure out the time soon. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that I hope it was great for your guests. Yes, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please rate, review, and follow along on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at www.jessieboyce.com and follow along at Facebook at Jessie Boyce or on Instagram at at Jessie Boyce. See you again next week with another great episode.